everybody. It's Dr. Sandy Laura Kramer, one of the board-certified eye surgeons and visionary eye doctors. Thank you for joining us for the EYE Show podcast. Thank you for subscribing. That really means a lot to us because that is how we spread the word of the research we're doing and all the things we do at Visionary Eye Doctors in the field of dry eye and, of course, cataract surgery, glaucoma surgery, uh, oculoplastic surgery. So please pass this on. Please subscribe. That's the best thing you can do to help us uh, help our patients. So today we're going to talk about some one of those interesting issues that is controversial called regrowing the meibomian glands. And so we've talked at length about what the meibomian glands are. You've seen my videos about these glands. And for anybody who is just tuning in, uh, the meibomian glands are going to become a very important word to know as time goes on in the next few years, uh, because these oil glands that produce oil in the eyelid that are hidden are becoming, are drying out at a record pace because people are on their screens and they don't blink. And when we don't blink, it's like milking a cow. You don't milk out that oil and it's affecting the world's population, especially children. And so in our practice around, and also around the world, you talk to any ophthalmologist who's an uh, oculoplastic surgeon, cataract surgeon, retina surgeon, you're going to hear that the number one complaint after any eye surgery is foreign body sensation, dry eyes. We're all drying up with aging. And so we're seeing a train wreck kind of unfolding before our eyes as we see children who are developing this problem in their very young ages, even as young as six years old. So there's a mad crazy rush to regrow these meibomian glands, but re nobody's really talking about it. It, isn't, it isn't, has not really even hit chat GPT. Chat GPT, if you ask it today, it would say there's no known studies on this. It's all experimental. And really, nobody's even doing experiments on this. Uh, I think we're the first in the maybe world to kind of talk about this in a real serious way. We have a what's called an IRB approval, Investigational Research Protocol approval, to try to regrow the meibomian glands. And I know other groups are thinking about it, but no one has really done, I think, what we've done. And it's still very experimental. It is not FDA approved. But what I think our secret sauces, and I've done this now for about seven years, is trying to combine the following things to regrow these glands. And so we have done this already. Uh, and I'll explain the process that we've, we've done so you can kind of understand what we've done in the past, where we are now, and what's the future. So the meibomian gland is filled with oil, it's the meibom, and inside that gland is stem cells. And we know that each meibomian gland has a stem cell that tries to regenerate to produce more meibom oil. Uh, so that mybocyte, or the cell of the meibomian gland, isn't part of stem cell. So it's exciting that if you can kind of stimulate it, you might be able to regrow the gland. So Dr. Ma Dr. Stephen Maskin, Dr. Roland Toyos has done extensive research showing that even just an IPL procedure uh, I think even maybe lipoflow, that's probably, I think I've seen those patients where the mybography will show a shortening of the gland. And after these procedures, just pumping the oil, kind of milking it out, either with lipoflow, probably tear care, although I haven't seen any papers on tear care per se, uh, but lipoflow I've seen a little bit myself on patients, uh, IPL for sure, and probing, you stimulate the oil and you might be able to grow that oil just a little bit. I haven't, I've seen a couple of patients where the oil was almost gone and then it regrew, but it's very rare. It's not that common that you'll see it actually go back to normal. And so if you have a patient, uh, if you have a patient that has lost one gland, I've seen that gland go back, which is exciting after IPL. I posted that on my blog 
blog about seven years ago, I think it was, of my first IPL patient that I was very skeptical about IPL. I was like, this is not going to work. And but it did. Actually, I was kind of surprised. And then we've seen that over time happen. But in patients that look like this, grade three or four atrophy, where there's almost no glands left, the IPL will help save what you have, and Lipiflo will help save what you have, and probing will probably help save what you have. And there is a chance that you can grow the glands back a little bit, but I have not seen it go back to normal. And so that's where the holy grail of dry eye research is right now, of trying to get a gland that where maybe there's maybe one stem cell left or very little oil left, and we're trying to really regrow that gland completely. That's what we're trying to do. So... Over the years, I think what we've found is that the options for the following secret sauce I'm going to tell you about is each component is safe. So things like platelet-rich plasma, which is your own platelet. So when you cut your finger, your platelets heal you. If you have an autoimmune, your platelets will still heal you if you cut your finger. And so when we use platelet-rich plasma as a drop, we know with the research that's been done that it will heal the cells. Let's say you use it as a drop and you have inflammation on the eye or some damaged cells on the surface of the eye. The chance of your platelets healing those cells, decreasing inflammation is probably about 99 percent or more okay so that we I think that's what the research has really shown us we see that in our exam we'll see patients with really severe keratitis or even an infection and they use their platelet-rich plasma they'll come back those cells are healed whether that translates into symptom relief if you have dry eye pain or burning uh, foreign body sensation itching even uh, reflex tearing from dryness is not 99.99%. It's probably about 85 to 90%. Most of our patients feel in a significant improvement. I often will tell patients to use it only first in one eye so they can use their other eye as a control eye to see if they can tell a difference. Rarely will patients say it makes them feel worse. In my entire career, I've had two patients that said their platelets made them feel worse. And we came to find out that they were allergic to the plastic bottle that the platelets were in. So I don't think it was their platelets. I don't think they're allergic or sensitive to their own platelets. I think it was the bottle and it's since been reported in the literature. So it's, sometimes you have to think outside the box of what else could be the cause. And I think that's the cause. So... Then in 2019, or was it 2021? I think it was 2019, uh, we presented our research on inserting the platelets into the meibomian gland. So before COVID, we did a study where we had cannulas that Dr. Stephen Maskin created with his company, where you can insert steroids, for instance, or platelet-rich plasma or autologous serum, and we've done all of the above. And the most effective for symptom relief was platelet-rich plasma inserted into the meibomian glands through a cannula that's 150 microns long and uh, I should say diameter the diameter is 150 microns so the the uh, width of a um, piece of hair <laughs> so the, the diameter a little bit more than a piece of hair so it's very microscopic very thin cannula 150 microns in diameter in internal diameter very very tiny we're doing this under a microscope we would go into every single meibomian gland and insert the patient's own platelet-rich plasma which we would process here since be just before covid the cannulas became unavailable they're now i think trying to make them again i'm not sure why they became unavailable but they're not available and so we presented our research of uh, at that time 
time we had eight patients that we had done. Uh, we presented the first four patients because the, the eight patients, the following four patients, we didn't have all the data. Since then, we've done about 60 patients where we take one eyelid at a time and we insert the platelets into every single gland. And we show that there was about a 20 to 25% increase in the column of the meibomian gland on a study uh, platform called ImageJ, which is a uh, National Institutes of Health, NIH kind of tool that's used to look at kind of the picture of volume, trying to recreate the volume of a meibomian gland or any type of organ of that produces some type of uh, secretion like oil. Uh, oil or meibom in this case. So we were very excited about that. So we knew that platelet-rich plasma inserted into the meibomian gland is very safe. We had no complications. No one said they got worse. Everyone felt better, but it was a subjective improvement. It wasn't like you could prove it based on uh, the cornea maybe looked a little bit better, but it was hard to kind of prove that because it's a little bit of a subjective component. I might say it's kind of better because I'm not blinded to who got the platelet-rich plasma insertion. So there were some negatives of the study and this sense that I'm the pers person doing the procedure, of course I would like the PRP to work better. So if I look at a patient's cornea, I might say, wow, they look better, but it's not a randomized control perspective, double-blinded study where I, the doctor's blinded and the researchers are blinded. So it was a very small study, but we did find that it was safe. Then we tried cord blood serum. We, t uh, of course, follow a standard protocol where we check the cord blood for every possible uh, kind of in terms of the big uh, kind of HIV and, and hepatitis and syphilis and everything is negative. It's donated usually by either a mom that I know or uh, friends that have been very generous to donate their cord blood serum. And we inserted that into my booming glands also on a few patients, separate patients from the ones that had the PRP. And they also did not get worse they did not feel any worse. There was very safe, no infection. A few of them did say they felt better, and we only did about four eyelids, so very, very small number. It wasn't a wow, it was not a cure, but it did help. And these are the end-stage patients that have tried everything. A lot of them are 10 out of 10 pain, they have keratitis, the gland atrophy is usually worse than a three out of the zero to four scale on mybography. Uh, some of them had autoimmune disease, and they were kind of at the point of just desperation and so we tried that as well which was not dangerous it was a, it was something that was safe it did not make them worse there was no infection was it a cure no and then we tried starting in about 2019 again stem cells a patient's own stem cells we take the fat we process the stem cells in a standard fashion it's been reported and published for using stem cells for all types of procedures from injection into joints of course uh, facial reconstruction breast augmentation regrowing hair and that is the same protocol we used and we took and isolated a patient's stem cells and also inserted that into to the meibomian glands and found that to be very safe. We've done about 11 patients now, very safe, no worsening, nobody felt worse, and we had many patients saying they felt better. The first stem cell patient we did, you've heard me talk about it in previous podcasts and YouTube videos, was able to go back to work. He was a 21-year-old student, was able to even tolerate cyclosporin again. Before the stem cells, he could not tolerate cyclosporin. It was too uncomfortable. After the stem cells, he was able to go back to school and then eventually to work, resume his life, start cyclosporin. Would he say it's a cure? I don't think so. He was an Accutane patient. I know, I'm sure he's still struggling with his dry eyes, but it was something that did benefit him, but I don't think it really was a cure of the dry eye. 
And so same thing with many other patients. Some have said it really did improve. We had one patient that really felt better for a year, but then the symptoms came back. She had another stem cell procedure. Again, it improved, but this time it only helped for about six months. Uh, so we've had patients kind of repeat the stem cell process with possible improvements subjectively for a few weeks to months, but it was not a cure. And so that's one of the papers we hope to publish in the next few months. Then we did before COVID, when the cannulas were still available, one patient who we inserted all three of the above. We, we did the, took her platelets, we had cord blood serum that was relatively fresh, meaning it was the patient baby was delivered within the last three months, and we had that cord blood serum available, and her own stem cells, and we put it in one syringe, and we inserted it into one eyelid. And this patient was already at the end of her rope. She was suicidal. She was 10 out of 10 pain. She had tried everything. And so because we had the IRB approval and her consent, we tried it in one eyelid. And she said that she got a few days of relief with this procedure, but it was not a cure. And so that showed the chance of this being a possible opportunity to potentially regrow those glands. And so this is what I think the secret sauce is. I think we need to have stem cells of a, of a patient, and we're gonna, and you can listen to my podcast on what good stem cells mean, and I'll briefly touch on that in just a moment. The, platelets own, the patient's own platelet-rich plasma and core blood serum. And adding those three together in a syringe and injecting it into every single meibomian gland, I think is a secret to regrowing the meibomian glands. That's where we are now. So we're waiting for the cannulas to be available. They have not been available since before COVID. We have a whole list of patients that are on the waiting list for this procedure because they're desperate, they want to try to regrow the glands. And this is the research that needs to be done. We need to regrow these glands because not just for the patients we have now, but for the millions of patients that are coming down the pipeline because they're on screens uh, in their crib or in their stroller or at school or, you know, that kind of thing. So we want to think about what we can do. A couple things I want to mention to you that you can do now while you're waiting for this procedure, if you're thinking of it or for the future, if you need it, is really get your stem cells and platelet-rich plasma to be the best it can be. And that really depends on your diet and choices of your lifestyle. So things like listening to the video, the podcast that we did on diet, gluten-free, sugar-free, dairy-free, trying to go in that direction, intermittent fasting, exercise, prayer. Everybody knows I'm a big believer in prayer um, and meditation and, and that type of th stuff is very important. Decreasing your cortisol level, you know, trying to really think about what you're doing to your cortisol level damages cells. So we do know that a good diet prayer and meditation, exercise, good sleep, obviously avoiding smokers, uh, not being a sun worshiper, we want to decrease your cortisol level. So there's a balancing act of how you live your life and what you can do now to keep your stem cells healthy and your platelets healthy. And so in the meantime, that's definitely what I would try to do. Of course, trying to save your meibomian glands by not looking at me. When you, when you listen to me on YouTube, just close your eyes. If you're on a podcast, close your eyes if you're not driving or walking. Whenever you can, and close your eyes. Save your eyes for eye-worthy things. Every day I tell patients, Dr. Kramers is not eye-worthy. You already know what I look like. Close your eyes. Save your eyes for eye-worthy things. And that will also help us help you in the future save your meibomian glands. So that is basically where we are right now. 
and the future is extremely exciting. You have people all around the world starting to work on this problem. Uh, we know that stem cells can be regenerated. We have uh, some uh, data, of course, in the cornea literature where we take the limbal stem cells, which is the cells around the area, the clear part of the cornea called the limbus. We can take those cells, move them to another patient, and they can regrow the cornea's stem cells there. And of course, to the patient's other eye, I've done many of those procedures uh, which do help. So the idea of taking somebody's own meibomian gland stem cells, let's say you donate a meibomian gland, transfer it to a loved one, that is the future. We have not done that yet, but that is the future. So what do you need to have a healthy meibomian gland cell? Well, you need first the stem cell, you need a good blood supply, and you need good nerve tissue, and you need to stimulate it. So it's the same thing like any cell. You need those four factors, like growth factors, uh, the blood flow components to provide the blood flow, the nerve component, the lymphatic component to, to kind of clear out the waste products, and the actual stem cell. And so that's what we have so far in terms of those three things the platelet-rich plasma, the stem cell, and the core blood serum. That's the first part. The nerve stimulation, the lymphatic system, is the next frontier. How do we get that cell to stimulate? And is that cell like a breast milk gland? So when you have a baby, you have oxytocin, you have prolactin, those two horm neuroendocrine hormones, nerve and endocrine, those are the hormonal components that are based on the nerve uh, the kind of the stimulation of the nipple is a nerve issue that releases these two wonderful hormones that make milk come out of the mammary gland. And then when you're done with the baby, the baby's done breastfeeding, that all dries up. But then if you have another baby, it comes back and it's beautiful. So is the meibomian gland like a breast milk gland? I think so. I hope so. Because I think if we can get the right stimulation, the nerve, the, the growth factors, the stem cell, all there, we can probably regrow the meibomian gland. And at the very least, we could maybe transplant the meibomian gland from somebody, let's say, that's dying or dies. Before they die completely, we could maybe transplant that eyelid to be able to recreate that milieu of growth factors, nerve stimulation, blood supply, and something to kind of extract the waste like a lymphatic system. Those things together should allow us hopefully to be able to transplant meibomian glands and that has not been done. So when you have a normal meibomian gland in my exam, I often will tell patients, I have patients that would pay you a million dollars for one of your glands and that is true, I do. Because we have a lot of patients where the gland, the orifice seals up shut. When the orifice of the meibomian gland seals up shut, we cannot get in with a cannula. It's done. I cannot. So that would be the, where we would think about transplanting the whole eyelid or a full meibomian gland. And that's probably going to take at least 10 years, maybe hopefully sooner. But in the meantime, we want to keep that orifice open. So that's the point of intense pulse light, meibomian gland probing, lipoflow. Uh, the probing is, we've talked about many podcasts with Dr. Maskin and other podcasts, is controversial, but he's right. The periductal fibrosis will close that orifice. And if we do not keep it open, it will shut it out and you will not be able to get anything in or out of that gland. It's gone. And so if you have dry eye disease, please get a mybography. If you have anybody around you that has redness, pain, foreign body sensation, do not ignore it. You need to say something because if you wait too long, there's nothing we can do. And we've seen thousands of patients like that. So please don't be one of those. So punchline of this podcast is that there's a lot of hope 
because we are working on this. This is a multi-billion dollar problem globally. It's getting worse because of screen times. So anything you can do to get off screens, get your loved one off screens, is going to save you a lot of money. Closing the eyes, praying, uh, talking with your eyes closed, getting a notebook, don't take notes on your phone. Decreasing the blue light around you, uh, back black background, using shortcuts on your iPhone. That's what I do all the time. Try to just dictate to Siri, have Siri dictate to you. Make phone calls to your friends, don't text them. Anything you can do to save your eyeballs from looking at something is gonna save you thousands of dollars. And we have things down the pipeline, we're just not there yet. So I hope this helps. Please pass this on to friends and family. Please encourage everybody to you know, save their eyes for eye-worthy things. Please subscribe to our channel and, and pass this on. I hope you enjoyed this. Thank you for joining us. Have a good day.